Good morning, everyone. Good morning, I, Jen. So, good morning. Thanks, Eric, because I don't like it when nobody says good morning, everyone. In the studio, it's very different, but when you're on Zoom, it's very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so we are doing our podcast once again this week. It is Friday, the 22nd of May, the Friday of Memorial Day weekend, which we are excited about here in Jersey because our beaches are opening, not like they used to, but they're opening, so we're really excited about that. Um, we are being broadcast to you live on Facebook from our shared universe studio podcast studio partner. Hi. <laughs> that was, did you like that? That's my radio voice. That was very good. I like Thank that. You. It was a Your lot radio of voice is yeah. yes. So I'm here with my co-host, Kendra O'Connor, and we have Ming Chen running everything for us behind the scenes, as he so wonderfully does. And our guest today is the lovely Mayor Eric Anderson, Esquire. Love it. Lovely. I'm lovely. Lots of titles. I haven't spoken to my wife recently, so that's good. So So anyway, um, guess I'll catch you guys up on the chamber. Um, We've been, it's crazy. Can I just say, I don't think I've ever been this busy except for the first three months I took over the chamber. Um, It is so much information. Um, I am lucky. Eric and I are both actually sitting on the LD11 economic recovery I don't know if that's the official title of it, but sounds good. Um, yeah, right. And trying to help get information from people out there, our Eric's constituents, our members, businesses in the area, to let us know what's going on, let us know what your needs are, so that we can then send it up the chain um, with our direct contacts and get back to you with information if we can, or help to get legislation done. Um, so Eric sits on the government portion of that, and I sit on the shore area recovery portion so um it's really and there's a couple of others on top of that it's a very big committee but um i'm also in contact with uh director freeholder our known freeholder director director freeholder how does it go eric freeholder director director of the freeholders okay um he goes by all Um, of them tom he does go by tom i do know him that way um tom our known i have a weekly call with him who is asking for the same information they've just started um they did take out mammoth when the restaurants first started now they're doing curbside retail mammoth so if anybody has a retail business, reach out to me, let me know what you're doing, and I can get that onto the Monmouth County website, um, which is also posted on our website. So aside from kind of getting through all the information, trying to put it out there, everything I get is on our website in a news feed. Um, and the, I'm sorry, my dog is distracting me in the background. Um, <laughs> so... Um, Everything's on our newsfeed. We've added a couple of things to our website to try to be as helpful as possible. We have job postings. So if you have a job available, you can now post that through our website. If you have a deal or something special you're doing and you want to see it, it can be go- we can put it on the website under hot deals. If you have your login as a member, you can do it all yourself. I just have to approve it and put it up there. So, um, and then news releases are going up for anybody and everybody, not just um, members, because we want to make sure we have as much out there as possible. And then what we've done to help people keep connected during this time is every Tuesday night, we have a Zoom room um, happy hour. Network creative, networking creatively, a unique happy hour. I don't know how unique, because I know a lot of people are having happy hours this way, but we try. Um, So we join on Zoom and then we, Everybody introduces themselves and then you get to kind of pick who you'd like to meet with a little bit more. And then you get broken out into Zoom rooms and you 
get questions to start conversations and then you come back and all meet again and then you break out into a different Zoom room with different people. So it's the best we can do since we can't meet in person. So we feel like we've had a lot of interesting people and it's been really cool. A lot of non-members, a lot of new members are joining us. So if you've been with us for a while, check in because we'd love to see you and have you join us. Is that BYOB or do you actually mail out drinks to them? No, no, it is BYOB. You can BYOS your snacks if you want to. Like it could be your direct happy hour. But I have to say, when we first started doing our EMAC connections at four, nobody would really drink. This one, everybody's got a beverage. It's really, it's at five o'clock on Tuesday nights. Everybody's sipping their beverages. We all show. Sometimes we toast. It's, you know. It is what it is. The koofier you are, the easier it is to get through this time frame. I think. Um, you know, I, I, when I, when you talked about the breakout sessions in the Zoom rooms, I thought, how is this going to work? But it actually was really fun, and you really got to know some people. And I was put in rooms with people I'd never met before, and I'll, I'll be honest, I was the biggest skeptic about how that was going to work, and I thought it really worked well. It was fun. Well, I is will there like credit- a time limit. Um, so the person who controls the Zoom room sets the time limit. Okay. The first time it was really organized. The second time he got so carried away in a Zoom room, we forgot to bring us all back. So um, it was, just, but you know, the more I do it, the more I'm learning that you can, I can, as a host, pop into different rooms. So I can pop in and say hi to other people when they're in their rooms, but nobody else can do that. That's got to be um, tough. Cause like, if you're networking in person, you can kind of like make an excuse to like walk away. You're kind of like trapped in a room if you're not really can, hitting it off. Well, a lot of people can use um, the chat and you could privately chat the person running the chat rooms and okay. say, yeah. Um, but I, you know what? Our people are awesome. We haven't really had that issue. So it's been really fun. Um, Tim Davis is, and Kevin Moot are really the power minds behind making this happen. I was a two, not skeptical about doing it, but skeptical about how it would work. So they had to figure it all out and they run it and they let me be part of it, which is pretty cool. Um, and then on Wednesdays, we have our EMAC connections. So we didn't get rid of them. We just moved them to once a week and we moved them to Wednesdays, which is the same day as our breakfast when we normally meet. And see, Tuesdays is the same night as our after hours when we normally meet. So we're keeping everybody in training so that they know they're busy with us those days. Um, So on Wednesdays, we have EMAC connections where we'll bring a speaker who will talk about working your business or we've had um, a therapist, we've had school teach, uh, Karen Jeffrey from Voyagers who talked about homeschooling. Um, anything that's appropriate, we've had Eric on here too. And this coming on Wednesday, the 27th, we have Kendra. And Kendra's gonna talk to us about how the pandemic, you wanna say it? Yes, we're gonna talk about how social media has become a lot more important to a lot of people since the pandemic has started. You can't get out, you can't reach people um, and talk about how for the chamber as well and for other clients, how we're posting more, we're trying to engage more. And uh, it's a great time to really, if you haven't done it yet, really rev up your social media. Cool. So Kendra will be with us on the 27th at 9 a.m. and um, Tuesday at 5 and all the links are on our website. Um, you can register. You can follow our e-blast that we send. Um, we try to reach out, reach out to you guys and let you know as much as possible of what's going on. So um, with that, I think we will introduce our guest star today, Eric Anderson. I went from um, lovely to star. This is, this, is, this is looking up for a Friday morning. I'm loving it. <laughs> um, so Eric, can you do me a favor, please? And before you get into what you do and okay. on your various levels, how long have you been a member of the chamber? Over 10 years. 
Uh, we started our firm in 09. So we joined right around then. So a decade. And how involved have you been in the chamber over uh, been, the 10 years? Uh, very active. Been a board member before I uh, got uh, uh, became mayor in Shrewsbury. Um, attended many of the events, whether they were the after hours events or the breakfast events or the summer bash. I've seen all of these various uh, events in various states, uh, and whether it was at the track or branches, uh, we've been all been all around the uh, Eastern Monmouth area for our events. So, great, it's great, and it, it's it's great to see the chamber uh, uh, being revitalized, and that has a lot to do with Jen and and uh, your support staff, because um, uh, for a period of time. Uh, chambers, I still, our chambers have become uh, more difficult to manage and get people to engage. Um, and uh, probably that has something to do with when the economy is good, people don't really feel like they have to get involved and maybe they didn't feel that they felt or felt that they were uh, as important. Um, but I think uh, your chamber and our, our chamber is actually has a leg up because we kind of positioned ourselves strongly before the pandemic. And I really do believe that now businesses more than ever are going to have to come back to its roots to 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 reboot and revitalize once uh, the stay-at-home order and lockdown gets lifted. Yeah, I think that um, what we're doing virtually is thank you for the compliment, Kendra. Is part of that team being our social media person. Um, I got to give a shout out to 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 Chris. I've known him since I was 13 years old. You're your your chairman. So yeah, you didn't give me a chance. Uh, your leader. My I have to tell you. I don't ever want him to leave being chairman of the board. He is the best. Well, let's not give him too big of a head, all right? Like, so. Well, you know, it's covered under his beard right now, so we're good. It's a big beard. It's a big beard. Yes. Um, so, you know, and I feel terrible saying that because, you know, someone I know really well has been chair before, but wasn't my direct boss, so I can't exactly say how he compares, yes. but I'll tell you, Chris Ryan is awesome. Awesome. Um, but then... But going back to um, what we've been doing this time is still trying to get it out there. You don't have to be a member to participate. So we're hoping to just be in a, be of service to anyone to help with their business, to help them with ideas. But then hopefully people will then see the value in that and come back. And we have had a few new members join us during this, which has been awesome. We've had some old members come back and rejoin, which has been great. And I think we're trying to really make sure that the chamber is viewed as a very valuable resource that we feel it is. Well, I think it, it's important to be an area where businesses can network and let other businesses know what they do and hopefully expand their business opportunities. Mm -hmm. But you being involved in the LD11 reopening uh, committee uh, was appointed by Senator Gopal um, is important because we've talked about this when I was on the board. It's really important for the chamber also to be an element of advocacy on behalf of businesses. And this is a, the perfect opportunity to do that, whether it's you're a restaurant and you want municipalities to have the flexibility to let you have seating in your parking lot, uh, or you're a hair salon and you need to get to the governor's office about, hey, we can cut hair in a, in a safe manner, or you're a gym and we can, you know, open up in a safe manner. Uh, you know, it, it takes the chambers to, to actually knock on the doors, whether it's talking to Tom Arnone or Senator Gopal, Senator O'Scanlan, the governor's office. You know, it's really important that you know the voice of the businesses be heard, and sometimes it gets lost if it's just business A, business B. Uh, you know, if you have the full force of the chamber behind you when you grab our elected officials, it has a little bit more of an impact. 
and, and the chamber's been doing a great job. Thank you. We, um, I did, I have a perfect example of that was the car washes. Mm-hmm. Like they, we were on a call and two days later, the car washes opened. So, yep. you know, it's, it, it, and the discussion on the call was car washes. So it's really, you know, it does make a difference. And one of the things I'm finding very interesting about sitting on this committee is that it is made up with where, where we are is shore towns. So there's so many members and people talking about their restaurants, their buildings, their rents, their, um, you know, shore activities that are outside and stuff. What I feel like I bring to that committee is representation of the people who are totally different businesses. Majority of our members are one to 10 employees who operate in small in offices similar to yours and where Tom is, you guys are in a big office building, but you're small offices. So right. the concern there is you're fine in your office, but you've got a lot of public space that you have to, that has to be dealt with. So hearing from our members as to what they're, what they're struggling with and how we can help and what we can do is, is a great opportunity for the chamber to help and a great opportunity for you to get what you need and have the contacts. I'm really proud of the relationship we have with you mayor, um, with mayor Perry from Middletown, um, with, you know, with Tom Arnone, with Vingo Paul, with Declan, we have really good relationships with them that we can call on people when we need help or when we have questions. Yeah. And I, and I know just having worked with our elected officials from the local level to, you know, the county level, state level, even to the congressional level, uh, you know, everyone's pushing hard to do the best they can uh, to, to get our businesses up and running. And I can especially say that for, for our local elected officials. Um, they're really calling the governor to task on what, what he's doing and the orders he's entering. And yeah. the businesses listening to this think for a second that your voices don't matter in the grand scheme of your business opening, that's not true. So, you know, be loud, be vocal, contact the governor's office. You know, if you have a plan to reopen, let them know. Uh, because it makes no sense that I can stand in line uh, at Walmart, uh, but I can't go to a local mom and pop shop that sells the exact same thing. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things that just don't make sense. You know, I can go stand in line at Costco, uh, but we can't figure out a way to have graduation for high school students. I mean, it just, I know there's a lot on the plate, but we need to start thinking rationally and how we're going to kind of get back to some semblance of normalcy in the state. And Right now, what's happening is the utter crushing of small businesses. And I understand that we have to reopen safely, uh, but at the same time, restaurants are being slaughtered. They're just being flat out slaughtered. And the opportunities to reopen, uh, you know, the opportunities, for example, the PPP, it's great. It's a great, it's a well-meaning, well-intentioned program. But how, how do you hire back staff when you don't need all that staff? Or how do you hire back staff when they're making more money on unemployment than they would coming to work for you? Uh, you know, there, there, there's some, you know, great intentions behind the legislation. Uh, but, you know, with the businesses not being able to open, not have, have outdoor seating, uh, you know, even if you can't put people inside. Um, you know, these are the things that really need to be pushed and, and talked about. And, you know, you look at our members, Woody's, for example, right? We were supposed to have an event right before the pandemic. Uh, we were supposed to be at Rory's on Tuesday night, this yeah. past Tuesday night. And you're now, Governor's stay-at-home order was issued on March 21st. So we're now 60 days into the stay-at-home order. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, imagine telling a business that you can't operate for 60 days. It's insane. 
It, it is. And it's, and, you know, I feel the restaurants have had the opportunity to at least make money through takeout, obviously not to where they were, but the retail stores have not had the opportunity to do anything. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't until this Monday that, that you're allowed to do retail by curbside pickup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's a good start, but, you know, how are you going to, you know, how is that going to work from a practical standpoint? You know, if you're going to, if you want to go buy a shirt, are you really going to, you know, take a you know flyer online and say, have it at the curb for me? Well, yeah, because to me, shopping for clothes and shopping for anything is like, it's an experience. I like to go out. I like to leave my house. <laughs> I like to go out. I like to, you know, pick up the options, feel them, touch them. I'm going to do that with gloves next time, but um, (laughs) for a while. You know what? That's even people are, you know, there's, there's studies coming out now questioning whether or not you can transmit the coronavirus by touch. Uh, You know, the science is continually evolving. And if we're we're data driven and science driven and the science proves to be different than what we thought 30 days ago, maybe it requires us to change our approach to how we're operating our, our economy right now. Yeah, because I heard on the ABC News last night that they're saying now it's really it's the most definite way you can catch it is in the air, person to person, being around people who are sick. It's not so and I, much. And I, yeah. and I think everybody's in the habit now of washing. It's been 60 days. Everybody better be in the habit of washing their hands to two happy birthdays. Um, you know, wiping everything down. I live in the house of four people. We're all the same people. We're the only people here. And we're still wiping down. I mean, our behaviors have changed. Our next in-person networking event, people aren't going to be shaking hands. Uh -uh. Uh, People are going to have some space between them. People are going to recognize the importance of washing your hands all the time. Maybe you have a a bottle of Perel uh, in your bag or your purse. Uh, You know, our, our behaviors have changed. And I do believe that as we go forward, you know, there's an incentive for businesses to open smartly and safely because they want, they want to have a business. They don't mm-hmm. want people to go, I keep going to this business and getting sick and they want to be inviting to their, their clientele. But on the flip side too, I think the clientele will also recognize that if someone isn't uh, being hygienic or being safe and, and clean, to their opinion, they're not gonna go there. And then people, rightfully so, that truly believe, hey, I don't wanna be out in the public, they have the right to stay home. And, and that's perfectly fine and, and, and everyone can respect that. Uh, you know, you, you look at, uh, um, you know, the order that was put in last Tuesday, allowing beaches to be open, both public and private. Uh, now, I know all the public and private beaches have undertaken some pretty robust cleaning protocols uh, for interior, you know, whether it's the, the clubhouse themselves or the locker rooms to the chairs that they hand out. Uh, you know, this has all been a, a change. You know, this is a change now uh, in behavior. And that's a good thing. And it's also, um, from a business standpoint, an increased expense that Absolutely. was probably not in your budget. And it's I've not going to be in anybody's. That have, it's not cheap to have a, you know, a, a, a fogger come in and clean a, uh, an area you know, a couple times a week or uh, you know, go in and pay someone to clean all the contact points. Their, their costs are going to go up. Absolutely. And finding, and finding those items, finding Purell, finding masks, finding... That stuff is still not super easy to find. And if you find it, you're not getting it immediately. So there's the planning. A conversation that we were having is, you know, 
one of the things, and I don't know how our members or anybody listening feels about it, but asking the governor to possibly give us some more time, some more heads up on when something's going to open. You can't open a business with three days notice. A business that doesn't know when they're opening can't be ready in three days for certain types of businesses. Yeah, I mean, because of the crap and the guidelines and stuff like that. I mean, while while I question the manner in which the governor is opening businesses and the sequence he is doing that, you know, in all fairness to his office, they are starting to give heads up to the beaches. They gave a week notice, you know, another telegraphing, uh, about if they open, if they allow pools to be open, how much leeway time they'll give beaches and, and private pool clubs and HOAs. Um, you know, same with restaurants. Uh, but it is right. You can't just all of a sudden be like, okay, you can now go do retail. Uh, retail right. stores are open right now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it, it's it's tough. And, you know, we're probably one of the most uh, restricted states in the mm-hmm. union right now. Uh, you know, the I regional... Kind of- I was, I'd say I appreciate that because the weight on the governor's shoulders of the health of everyone in his state is huge. You must have feel some of that with your, you know, as mayor, you're responsible for these people. You want the, you understand the need for the economy, but you also understand the need that you have to protect and doing it right is a huge burden. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's no question about it. And when initially when this happened and it was a great unknown and there was a, a call to lock everything down, listen, that's understandable. We didn't know what was happening. Now in Shrewsbury, you know, we have roughly 4,000 residents. Uh, we have three senior living facilities. Two are open right now. Uh, and we have a rehabilitation facility uh, where people can actually come from the hospital and, and they'll be rehabilitated. So when we met, we began meet, meeting in the beginning of March. Uh, for uh, to prepare our response for the coronavirus. And one of our concerns was the long-term care facilities, the senior living facilities uh, and the rehab, because those are the most at-risk individuals. Uh, people, generally people who have passed away from the coronavirus, not, not you know, everybody uh, were, were older uh, or had, and had a pre-existing health condition. Uh, in our town, the overwhelming majority of the cases that we had um, came from the facilities outside of the, the homes. Uh, and, and it's not to fault those facilities at all. I mean, it's just the way that people, uh, you know, it just happens, you know, people, caregivers have to come in and out of the facility. Um, and, and, you know, we've had cases in town, um, but, you know, those are, you know, those were the concerns that we had. We want to make sure that all of our residents uh, are safe, whether it was uh, closing down the playgrounds, um, you know, you know, closing our municipal building. Uh, you know, I was in, involved in communications and, and, and meetings early on about what we were going to do with our schools. Uh, so, you know, it, it, there's a whole gamut. Uh, but now we're getting to the point where is what we're doing, the cure, being more onerous than the disease? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're going to start seeing I believe mental health issues that are going to be arising from this. It's very difficult. I mean, I've got three young boys at home. I have my wife working full time at home. Uh, and you know, it's a lot. I mean, the children are isolated from their friends. They can't be with them. Uh, and, and the way that they're, um, you know, kind of overcoming that uh, is to be on their playstations more than, more than, than should be allowed. More than they're schooling on Zoom? <laughs> yes. And, uh, yes. And, and, you know, and we've had the conversation at home that this, 
yes, they're totally taking advantage of this global pandemic to get as much gaming time in as they can. Heck yeah. But, but we, uh, you know, we, we, it's also an ability for them to talk to their, their friends, you know, when they can't, you know, physically go and play with them or be with them. It's a lot. I mean, I've got a, a 13, a nine and a seven year old. And while it, you know, they might be tough on the outside. I know inside they know something's not right. I know that they are concerned. Uh, they don't like the unknown. They don't like losing the structure they had from school. Uh, and that's just talking about children. You know, I mean, we're not even getting into people who have lost their jobs and can't pay right. their mortgage or their rent or buy groceries. These are real, real things that are facing not only residents in Shrewsbury, not only Monmouth County, but New Jersey. I, I just saw our unemployment rate is through the roof. I think it's uh, almost 15%. Well, and when you think about like, I keep saying, trying to put it into perspective. And I, you and I talked about this on the phone last night. We're never going, I think it was you and I, might've been somebody else, but um, we're never going back to what normal was. That normal, that normal's gone because we've had a life altering event in the whole world. So right now I feel like my life is pretty normal for the way it's been for the last two months but it's normal is constant change. The, the uncertainty. The, the, yeah. It's, the, the, the certainty it's just, of the uncertainty. It's just go with the flow. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that um, the, and then when we move, you know, people are like, well, I want to get back to normal. Well, you're never going to get back to what that normal was. You're going to get back to a new normal of living. That's going to be normal. New normal is a weird word because normal is normal. And what is normal? I'm not normal. Um, <laughs> we all know that. Um, so, you know, I think that the, um, yeah, when you're, you're saying about the New Jersey and everything, but it's also New Jersey, then it's also the United States, then it's also Europe, Africa, Asia, you know, it's everywhere that's going through this in different, in different ways. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk to, like, I was talking to a friend out in Wyoming, uh, completely different, you know, mm -hmm. smaller popular, greatly small. You know, we, we're the densest state uh, in the union. Wyoming is probably one of the most sparsely populated. Uh, and they have to go miles before they see another person. Yes. Like that, right? and, and they're, they're getting back to the quote unquote new norm. You know, they're uh -huh. able to go to restaurants. Uh, they're, you know, they're, it's not, it has not impacted them as greatly as us. Now, undoubtedly, New York, New Jersey were the epicenter of, of what has happened here. Mm -hmm. But when we peel back the, the, the numbers and the layers, six months, 12 months from now, we're going to have to ask ourselves and really do a deep dive as to what, you know, one death is one too many. Don't get me wrong. That's not, right, right. not minimalizing it. But we're going to have to look and say, okay, of all of these numbers, you know, where did it, where did it occur? You know, was it the long-term care facilities? And if so, why? What happened there? Uh, what was the, the population outside of the long-term care facilities? Did we, you know, did we react properly? Did we underreact? Did we not do enough? Did we overreact? You know, has it changed throughout the whole spectrum from, you know, March to today until God knows when this ends. Right. But at some point we have to, you know, accept that when we reopen, there will probably be exposure. Uh, and there will probably be additional lives that are lost, which is horrible. But at what point in time do we do do we reopen? Uh, uh, you know, as our economy. And that's, right, because we have to value. Uh, Kendra, I have not shut up. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually two things I wanted to ask you, Eric. 
first of all, do you think it's going to come down to kind of a personal responsibility? Like I'm, I'm going to take, I'm going to go out and it's kind of, if I want to go to businesses or I want to go to the beach, it's, it's on me. I'm taking that risk. And the second thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, being a mayor in New Jersey near the shore, you know, you might deal with hurricanes, you know, you might deal, you probably never predicted this. And what is it like being a mayor during something like this that we've never seen? Um, so I'll answer the, 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 the first part was uh, with, with regard to uh, being a mayor in a global pandemic. Uh, I'm, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, you know, my predecessor had, had dealt with Sandy. You know, we deal with snowstorms and uh, bad thunderstorms and, you know, not necessarily global pandemics. Uh, I am super fortunate to have an awesome administration and a great council and all of our department heads are just rock stars. They're doing a great job. Um, you know, I, I have a OEM, uh, a head of our OEM, uh, who, you know, also works for the county. Uh, he's a resident in town who has helped coordinate it. Uh, coordinate our response. Uh, so, so we've been very proactive, uh, fortunately. And, and, you know, before we were even shut down, we had an all hands on deck meeting with uh, the regional health commissioner, our OEM heads, just to, to map out what do we do, worst case scenarios. Uh, and, you know, just like Jennifer said, uh, it was, it's, it has calmed down a little bit. Um, but initially it was every day, it was a new issue, new concern. Uh, trying to find protective equipment for our first responders, uh, figuring out protocol on, you know, how our officers respond to different stops, whether or not to close down uh, the building itself, how to have our employees work in a safe way, you know, how to make sure that we're doing everything we can to communicate with our residents and also make sure we're doing everything we can to ensure the safety of our residents. Uh, and, you know, closing down parks and then determining, hey, when can we open up parts of those parks? So we've opened up like our tennis courts, but we haven't in our baseball fields for people to get out and play. No organized games, but the basketball courts are are still closed and so are the playground equipment. Uh, so it, it, it's been interesting. And then also on top of that, dealing with uh, the county and the state and the federal government concerning various uh, availability of, of funds to help support us in this time. Uh, so because the next big issue that municipalities are going to be facing is the financial uh, devastation caused by the virus. Uh, the, the fact will likely be that revenues will decrease in our communities and the communities are going to need to prepare for that. And so are the residents uh, and, and to figure that out, because the last thing in the world we want to do is raise taxes. Property taxes, as everyone knows in this great state, especially Monmouth County, are insanely high. And you know we have fantastic parks, we have awesome schools, uh, so we, we get great things for what we pay. But to then go and further burden our taxpayers and not say, listen, we got to pay more money, we're going to have to get creative. The municipalities are going to have to get creative, and uh, I think we'll we'll be in a scenario somewhere similar to the 2008 financial crisis. I hope I'm wrong, uh, but we're going to need to prepare. And the from the municipality standpoint, I think this is an excellent opportunity to engage in sharing services, consolidating, uh, because you know we in New Jersey love home rule. 
Uh, I believe there's over 550 municipalities in the state of New Jersey. Uh, it's insane. Uh, in our small area where we live, I think in like a seven square mile, there's a you know there's five or six million dollar ladder trucks. Uh, and I'm not saying that we don't need access to those, but the communities need to start thinking about, do I need to buy a million dollar piece of equipment by myself or can I somehow utilize it with adjoining towns? Does it make sense to look to uh, coordinating school administrations? Not necessarily get rid of schools, but you know, does it make sense to share services? For example, the county has a very robust 911 system that over, I think, 60 or 70 percent of the population of Monmouth County falls under. Uh, you know, these are real conversations and real considerations that the residents, especially where we live in Monmouth County, are going to have to, to, to tackle in the coming months. And do you think it's going to come down to, I mean, I think I've heard a lot of people just saying, look, I just want to go out. I want to go do things. I want to go to the beach. I want to go sit outside and have, have a meal somewhere that it will come down to. We make it personal responsibility. If you're willing to take the risk, you can go out and, and, and go do things and, and frequent businesses. And if you don't, then stay home. Yeah. Listen, as long as the governor has his stay at home order in place and he, uh, talks, you know, as certain businesses closed, I'm not advocating uh, violating uh, the law uh, and just opening your business uh, because you want to open your business. I mean, there is an importance of the rule of law, but the rule of law flows both ways. It flows from the citizens up to the people who pass the laws, but also from the people who enact the laws and enforce them. So for as much as we are to comply with the laws, we also have to make sure that the laws and the orders being issued from our leaders are just and right and legal. So I know right now there's a lawsuit that's being filed uh, challenging some of the orders that Gover Governor Murphy entered uh, by some small businesses that was filed, I believe, in Cape May County the last day or two. Uh, I know that there's another lawsuit that was filed in Ocean County concerning you know, his ban on graduation uh, uh, graduations themselves and also some other small businesses. These will play themselves out in the court system. That's the way it's supposed to work. I mean, one of the, uh, you know, the glue that holds our nation together is the rule of law. Without the rule of law, we have chaos. Uh, but we also, as we have an understanding of citizens to follow it, uh, you know, we, have, we have an expectation that our government will actually follow the law and enact just laws. Now, with regard to individuals themselves, I think it's one um, – when an individual is going to decide to go out, it's really what they believe their comfort level is. Uh, so if they are okay with, if a restaurant's open and they want to go, uh, absolutely, you know, that's their personal decision. But the next step when it comes to uh, personal responsibility is, yeah, when you go out, it, it, don't stand two feet behind somebody or get in someone's face or touch them. You know, I, I've seen a handful of times when I've gone out to a store and I see somebody, uh, you know, yell at another person for crowding their personal space. Now, maybe that's not the best way to deal with it. Uh, but, you know, that, that's all the things that we're going to now have to take into consideration. Uh, people might not like uh, my kids running up and, you know, getting in someone else's personal space. But also on the flip side, I've seen people just walking on the street and then people complain that you're too close as you walk by them. So. It's, it's, it's true. I, I was at Target last night and I, I, you know, it's, it's funny that all of a sudden we have this new perception that we, there was a six foot 
you know, circles. But the guy behind me kept getting a little too close. And I, I was kind of kept <laughs> looking at him politely like, hey, you're supposed to, you know, Maybe I know. point at the line. There's a line on the floor. Stay behind your line. <laughs> I didn't want to yell at him or start a fight or anything. But I was kind of like, hey, you know, I was trying to give him that look. But you're right. It's like you hope everyone will kind of try and at least be somewhat responsible. No, but you see the stories of, uh, you know, a, a shop says wear a mask inside. And someone refuses to wear a mask. Okay, well, if you don't want to wear a mask, that's your call, but you can't come in. But don't get angry at the, the, the store or the restaurant that says wear the mask. And, and I understand people are frustrated. Being pent up for 60 days has been a lot. Uh, the weather has sucked the spring. It has not been good. It was uh, good in the beginning. It was really good in the beginning. Yeah. Yes. But well, as I, my, my wife said last night, she's like, I just want it to be warm so I can go and sit outside and not be cold. And right. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to happen this weekend either. No, it doesn't. Uh, but, I mean, it's been just a combination of, of you know, in the house, uh, not good weather, no sports to watch. It's just, you know, it's crazy. I have watched so many repeat. Um, I was so excited this past weekend when NASCAR was live. I'm like, oh, a new sport, a new sport. You look like a, a big NASCAR fan. Actually, so. I, really <laughs> love, I really love um, – NASCAR. I actually really do. I think it's awesome. It's fun to watch the races. And I also was born in a town that was 40 to 45 minutes away from Bristol. Okay. So when I went to school in Vermont and you, they used to have the NASCAR races on radio, which I never really understood. So, but yeah. And I won't sit and watch the cars go around for hours and hours, but you know, I mean, like you do, you glance up the roar of the engine. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So I have a question about masks. It just came to me as we were talking. How are you supposed to eat in a restaurant with a mask on? Well, um, how is that supposed to work? I, I, I Listen, I'm assuming that the uh, you wear a mask in, you sit down, your table's six feet away from somebody else's, and you can take your mask off. But then you're breathing on the poor servers. Well, I guess they'll have their mask on them. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm spitballing here. I've been looking here. at masks with like little Velcros so I can sip my drinks. And then I did. <laughs> I did see the one. There's like a hole in the side. You can stick a, a straw through for a cocktail. Well, I like the bandanas because you can lift it up and go with yes. bendy straws. <laughs> and we're having the problem right now. My middle son is like anti-mask. He will not wear a mask. It's we're trying everything that we can do. So now we're like trying to get him like a scarf to pull up. Uh, I don't know if you ever see like the guys and gals that fish. They have like these like little uh, hoodies that pull up from from below, and we're trying it all. It's gonna be. Has he tried the bandana? He doesn't like. The um, doesn't like that. So it's been a it's been a rough I go. I agree. I'm not loving it. Yeah, we're not loving it, but uh, it's not gonna do him well if he's got to stay in the house for the next two years. No, that's true. <laughs> that's but true. you know what? And I have found that the ones that are the most comfortable are the blue and white paper medical ones, but not high grade medical. I tried what, tried that one too. You didn't we like tried that them one all. Either? Didn't like that. That one's the easiest one to breathe out of. Yeah. Don't give me those N95 dust masks. Those kill me. I'm like. Ugh. Well, I told him that he wouldn't have to wear a mask if he could develop a vaccine for the coronavirus. So he's <laughs> well, working there you on go. that. Get motivated. Oh, okay, yeah. I like that. You got yeah. petri dishes and everything's growing yes. down there. <laughs> don't go to the Anderson household, man. You don't know what's going on. Yes. <laughs> he's very smart for a nine-year-old. So in some of this conversation, I have noticed that your real day job as an attorney has proven to be probably more than you ever thought valuable to your current, the current predicament, both business, what you can offer your clients, and then 
you know, obviously what you offer as a mayor with your knowledge. I mean, you spoke about these legislations and being responsible, like paying attention to whether or not they're going to be responsible laws down to us. That is something I never probably would have thought of. And that's an awesome approach that you bring to the situation. Yeah, it's been it's it's been interesting because there is definitely an overlap between my role as mayor and, and as an attorney. Uh, and you know, I, I found myself to some extent being part therapist for some of my clients. Uh, it's not necessarily legal advice, but like talking it through and being like, let's before we you know light the place on fire and walk out, let's let's plan this out and you know through the various uh, relief packages that have been available through the state and the federal government. Uh, that, you know, we've been guiding our clients through that and you know, staying abreast of what was happening with the business openings and talking to elected officials about what was happening. Uh, it's, it's, it's been interesting. You know, I've seen, uh, and I think you, you and I talked about this, uh, some businesses that are just kind of plugging along like nothing has happened and others that have been utterly devastated by uh, what, what is going on. Um, the majority, 95%, have definitely been impacted uh, by uh, the pandemic. Uh, so, you know, it, it's mapping a strategy of, you know, how do we kind of weather this storm right now? And when we begin to, to open up, you know, what do we do to position you to, to be able to get back and running? And, you know, it's questions from when can I bring my employees back? How do I bring my employees back? How do I use my PPP money? You know, I, I can't spend my PPP money in eight weeks. What's going to happen? You know, like, what do I do with my EIDL loan? You know, I, how do I get a grant from the state? You know, how does the unemployment, uh, uh, you know, if I offer employment back to someone who's unemployment, they don't want to come back. What do we do? Uh, it, it, you know, and it's been interesting in that I've seen legal issues pop up that I wouldn't have expected, you know, before the pandemic. Contracts. Uh, not being uh, followed because of the pandemic when necessarily that exclusion isn't in the contract. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's uh, you know, the courts have been closed essentially. And, uh, you know, they're, they're doing uh, a very, uh, you know, they're trying very hard to, to operate, but it's just not the same when you can't go to the courthouse. So, so it, it's, been an, it's been an interesting ride so far. Do you think that... Um and this is just a do you think, this is not you as an expert, yeah. but do you think, and Kendra, you can weigh in on the same question because I'm curious, but do you think that the country will ever find itself this poorly prepared again? And I, not necessarily from a, from a countrywide thing, but like you as the mayor starting small and getting bigger, will you have PPE and stuff in stock now because you know and will other states and municipalities grow? Like, do you think that people will be preparing their own? Like, I know for the office alone, which is me full time, one part time, and two volunteer, and a, a volunteer. Sometimes a work study students, work study student part time. I will never not have Purell in my office or Lysol wipes ever yeah. again. I will never not be short with only one roll of toilet paper left. <laughs> you know, like, I will have paper towels. I will. My awareness of what I need. And my preparedness is upped. So, do you do you think that will be and that that will never happen again in the country? Or how, what do you think on that subject? Uh, the so you know we are 
The state and federal government were unprepared for the scope of this pandemic. There, there's no dispute about that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just as 9-11, we didn't have proper security protocols in place that we now look back on and say, wow, how can we let people with box cutters get on planes before 9-11? Right. Didn't <laughs> right. make any sense. Um, you know, from our perspective, you know, in the borough, you know, our emergency team had actually done a really good job in that we did have some PPE, um, but we didn't have it to the extent of things that you, you, you wouldn't have thought we would need. Hospital gowns, face shields. Uh, you know, we had N90, we had some N95 masks and some rubber gloves, and we definitely were rationing them. Um, and fortunately, we were able to develop, uh, you know, alliances with, you know, various, the, the county, uh, to get us uh, um, PPE equipment. They, they were very, very, very good. Uh, you know, and uh, Senator Gopal did a great job in, in securing us uh, PPEs. Um, and, and that tied, got us through. Uh, going forward, yeah, we actually, you know, have uh, put in place a plan to make sure we have cleaning supplies, uh, that we have the, the masks and that we have the gowns, that, you know, if something like this were to happen again, that we'd be in a better position. I mean, uh, you know, it's what's going to happen is once the dust settles, there is going to be a look back and say, okay, New Jersey, why did you proclaim that we didn't have enough ventilators? And then at the same token, okay, why do we not approach the need for the ventilators you said that we were so short by? And this is what's just, you know, we're going to, you know, do what we did, uh, you know, post 9-11 and do the analysis of, you know, where did we succeed and and where did we fail? Now, while we were unprepared, I believe, as a nation and unprepared as a state, I think, you know, compared to other countries, we still did a hell of a good job. Uh, you know, one, one thing about America is our uh, ingenuity uh, and our ability to rise to the occasion. And whether it was, uh, I know one of my council members uh, was down in North Carolina and he was working at a uh, in, a, in a garage with a 3D printer making face shields for first responders down in North Carolina. You know, we, we, you know, you've seen this all throughout the state and the country where people have stepped up and figured out ways to, to you know, if, if the government is unable to provide the support we need, I find that our residents and our, and our, uh, and our citizens really can step up and, and fill that void. They've done that. Do you think that, because that was a good point, Jennifer, it'll be like, you know, we know we have, we always have a certain amount of salt if there's a snowstorm. We right. We will be, we've got to stockpile masks for X, Y, Z. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, listen, could we get a different strain or something that strains our systems in a different way? Uh, yes, but I think every municipality and businesses are going to say, all right, I need Purell stations. Uh, I need to make sure we have Clorox wipes. Uh, you know, I need to have a protocol that, you know, this is the way we defog uh, our emergency vehicles. You know, like, for example, when we had to transport a, a COVID patient, and that's the royal we, you know, it's the our first responders who have stepped up and, and put their, you know, their lives on the line. You know, when an ambulance had to transport a COVID patient, they would then have to go and have that ambulance taken out of service and get make sure it got cleaned. Uh, and, and one thing, you know, uh, you know, like our, our, in Shrewsbury and a lot of our municipalities are, are first responders, fire, first aid, or volunteers, and and especially our EMS services. Uh, these men and women have stepped up huge. Uh, they, they, 
Now they literally were going and touching the face of this virus, this pandemic, uh, and, and doing so without complaint uh, and taking care of our residents. And I know all the EMS people have been doing this throughout the state. Uh, and they really deserve the recognition that they, that they should get because they're going out there and they're and they're really exposed potentially exposing themselves and and, and they're family people. I mean, then they've got to come home and are they exposing their children and their families every time they've made one of these calls? I mean, that's a huge mental burden as well for them. Oh yeah, I mean, like the doctors and the nurses, you know, that, that have all been dealing with this every day and exposed to this every day and the stress of just being exposed to it and then going home at night, hoping that, you know, you're not exposing your family to that. Uh, it's a lot. I mean, you're, you're going to go back to earlier comment. I mean, there's going to be a lot of mental health issues that will arise from this pandemic. And, and it's just something that we, we have to be prepared for. How do you think, Oh, sorry, Kendra, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, you know, I always think about, I know they've talked about, you know, people in domestic situations, you feel your home and I, you know, I don't know if they've heard of any increase in that kind of thing in the area where, you know, say someone in a domestic situation is now home all the time and that person is furloughed and, and their home. And, and that's one thing I always think about that people who are all quarantined together and in dangerous situations, that's what I really worry about for people. So I've heard, and which has been kind of concerning, and the attorney general had pointed this out, is the calls to domestic hotlines have actually decreased during the pandemic, which is, you know, it's not like all of a sudden these disputes have gone away. Uh, it's more of a, hey, if you're locked in a situation with somebody, you know, are you able to get out or get away? Uh, and, that, and that's a concern. And that's just not New Jersey. That's nationwide that they've seen. Uh, you know, this this decrease in calls, whether it's child protective custody or uh, domestic violence hotlines. You know, that shocked me because I thought you're going to say it's increased. And when you said decrease, I was like, what? Yeah. yeah. And well, that was kind of the, the response from the state, too, was like, wow, that's not what we had expected. You know, and I'm by no stretch of the imagination an expert in, in that subject. But I could see where someone's living in an abusive relationship and you are stuck with that abuser in the house, where's that opportunity to, to make mm -hmm. that call or where do you go if you're supposedly locked down? Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I mean, I can't possibly imagine that it's better. No, no it's not like magically, Oh, the pandemic has brought us together. All our issues. Are yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> we're stressed than they were before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah in some situations I, I do that. That number does surprise me as well, Eric, because that was one of the things that I was thinking. What's weird about this whole thing is, you know, even with, you know, and you talk about, you know, you have young children at home. I have an eight-year-old at home. And, and I told her, you know, because in the beginning, I think she could see that my husband and I were a little like, like everyone, like, what the heck is going on? But I just said to her, look, we've been through lots of things over the years. Your grandparents have. We've all gone through it. We'll be okay. Just, you know, but I think with this one, you know, when there's an economic downturn or there's, uh, you know, Sandy, we, we can kind of see an end in sight. I mean, I know that I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. There is, we'll all be all right. But this is one where it's like, it's a virus. So we can't really say, all right, you're going to stop now. You know, I, <laughs> when, yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's, you know, we're Sandy. just going to raise you three feet yeah. above the ground. And we'll yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Sandy, like the damage was done. Like 
There right. was a date definite when the damage, the physical damage from Sandy was done. Right. You could begin to rebuild, uh, whether it was physically, financially, emotionally. Here, you know, it, it is the uncertainty. You know, when you hear conversations about, well, what's going to happen with school in the fall, uh, you know, instead of having that out in the public, from at least my opinion, from the state perspective, you know, if that is even a consideration, like keep that to yourself right now. Because the last thing parents want to hear is like, hey, come fall, I'm still going to have my kids in my house homeschooling. Because, uh, yeah, you know, because then how are they also going to go back to work? I mean, there are parents who have to go back to a job where they cannot be home with their children. Oh, uh, yeah. And if their children have nowhere to go. Yes. I mean, it's difficult. People who are working from home, trying to teach like math to my my uh, nine-year-old or even my my first grader. It, I was going to say, don't ask me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know. How, I don't even know how you guys are teaching math to each other here. This is, I have to go to Google and like how to do math as a first grader. And it's like the idiot's guide to math. So. And it's like, yeah. And you're like, wait, I'm I'm fine with math. I can do math. Why can't I teach my child how to do math? That's not the way you do it. I don't know. You add two plus two, you get four. I don't know how else you do it. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Or, yes. When, I had a hard time with regular, new, regular math. New math just blows my mind. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Well, it's it's all the same math. It really hasn't changed in a couple thousand years. Right. Just exactly. We teach it. <laughs> right. It's so confusing. Um, yeah, that's that's a challenge. Do you find that um, I don't know where I was going with that question? Ignore it. Think of something else. <laughs> what do you want to tell us, Eric? Tell us something about you. Uh, we know you have three kids and a wife. Your wife is working from home. Yes. Um, you know, we know that you've known Chris Ryan for 13 years. What don't we know about you, Eric? Oh, this isn't like, I'm not going to, this isn't a tell-all of email. Oh, no, right? no. I'm just like, I lost a question. Call. So I lost a question. We only have six minutes left. So I was kind of like, oh, why don't we just fill it with something yeah. fun? What's the filler? Tell us <laughs> about you. Is that what's the filler question? What's filler, Eric? <laughs> you know what I can say is you were very kind to thank me for the work I've done. I need to, I would like to thank you as well for being there. I mean, I, we have been on so many calls. You are our, you actually were our first contact when we started our EMAC connections. We got the shutdown order on the 21st. We had a feeling it was coming. So on Friday, the 20th, we started planning ahead and you, you know, greeted our members and gave us valuable information on the 23rd, the very first Monday that everybody started working from home and shut down. And um, I just want to thank you for that because you, you really are such a wealth of knowledge and you bring it to us in such a positive, honest, upfront way that it makes it easy to listen to and easy to understand. And uh, I really want to thank you for that. Thank you for sharing all that with well, us. Don't tell anyone, but I totally made up everything I said that time. I knew not, no I'm joking. Oh, <laughs> do you not know the, 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 I really think the way people work in the world <laughs> If you say it with conviction, it's got to be true, right? Oh my God, yes. I mean, fake it till you make it. (laughs) Now, listen, in this time, you know, I I remember reaching out to you when when the the pandemic started and just suggesting, hey, this might be a good platform for you to reach out to your members and get people with, you know, certain knowledge just to talk about what they know and how they can help their members. Uh, And and this is the time, and I think I said it during that meeting, where we all got to kind of you know, stand up together and work with each other and, and not do it with an expectation of getting something, you know, uh, a lot of times, and you've seen it at your events where, you know, or any other event where someone is like walking into a room and, 
you know, they're just trying to get something as opposed to, to giving. And, and I think right now this is the importance of the chamber where everyone needs to kind of band together, uh, figure out how we can collectively help each other because it benefits us all that 90 days or 120 or 180 days from now, we're all standing and we're all in business and we're all working. Uh, and, and, and I think, you know, the chambers is a good structure to do that. Uh, you know, I would urge, you know, all, what do we got? Like four, two people, my, my mom and my dad watching this right now, or is this? Oh, the- no, and my cousin from Tennessee. We forget my cousin from Tennessee watches. Too. Is that Christina Hardman O'Neill right here? Oh, oh I was going to say you have it. Kendra has the list today. I, I love it. Did Elaine um, join us today? She's usually always with us. But what was her name? Elaine. Elaine. No, I didn't see Elaine today. <laughs> but yes, so that's but it. I, but I would urge your members to, to reach out to you and use you you as a resource. Uh, and, and that's, you know, whether it's I'm having a problem with the municipality, you know, in Red Bank or Little Silver or Shrewsbury doing something or, you know, hey, like my business has dried up and I'm not getting anything because they might be, you might be a resource for them to think outside the box and to get them in touch with somebody else. And, you know, that, we that's- We do have a lot of contacts in the chamber, which is really nice. I mean, and all of our members are so willing to work with others and help and offer advice. That's one of the best things I think about our chamber is just the camaraderie and the cohesive collaboration of all of our members. They are willing to help. I know you've been on the phone a lot with Ray when he's, in the beginning with the P- with the PPP loans. I mean, you know, I'm like, oh, Eric said hi. And he goes, oh, I talked to Eric two hours ago. Oh, okay, well, he said hi again, you know. <laughs> um, so we was, do was, have- was that Was that one of the great chairs of the chamber that you did not work with that is just as great, but you just can't say from particular- uh, He uh, wasn't person. my boss. I mean, he wasn't <laughs> my direct chair. He, he's on the chair, he's on the board still. He is a fabulous board member. I am sure he was a wonderful chair because he kept getting asked back. Yeah. Um, but you know, um, is he standing over your corner to, uh, no, he's, to the he's, left. Okay. He's actually directly below me in the other, in the dining room on the lower floor. Um, <laughs> he did pop his head in. I don't know if you guys saw the dog got up and was whining. So I had to text him. Could somebody please come get the dog? Um, so yeah, he, uh, but yes, no, I know he's fabulous. And he is actually currently the chair of CPC behavioral health. Yep. And I believe he, they have asked him to stay on for another term. So he is a really good board chair. I was just goofing around because I... No, I'm joking right now. I, I, I don't you. want him to be my boss, though. I have to say, I think we're close enough. I don't yeah, think we need that. That's not good. That's the, <laughs> no. Yes, no. And luckily through his, you know, luckily through his involvement with the chamber, that is how I did get this job. Um, and it has been, you know, needless to say, just when I thought the challenge was over, you know, just when I was getting everything up and running and knew what I was doing, bam, <laughs> um, you have to rethink the whole thing and do it all differently. And I think, Eric, yesterday I was saying to you, like, you're like, how are you doing? And I'm like, well, today was a day and I did everything I could do today. And tomorrow's another day and I'll do everything I can do tomorrow. And it's the same every day, yet it's different every day. And I just keep, I can't think about it. I just have to do it. Yeah, I, I tell my family it's March 21st all over again. I've which, heard just different stuff. Yeah, I've heard it's like, you know, Groundhog Day. Yes. Kind of like, but you know, it's just, it's, but I really have found you just have to put your, not you, I'm not telling you what to do. I have handled this by just, this is what I'm dealing with today. Just do it. 
and you know, luckily everything I have done like that has worked out, which is been awesome. And you're starting your cocktail hours at four o'clock, so that's good too. So well, uh, we were, <laughs> and then you know, and then Tim Davis says, "No, I can't start drinking at four. I'm still in the middle of my day. We have to do it at five. I'm like, all right, well, I'm having a cocktail before you at four, and then I'll join you at five. So yeah, <laughs> yeah." Five o'clock somewhere is a big saying in this house. I believe the stay at home order says you can have cocktail hours starting at four. I thought it was much earlier. Are you yeah, sure? I don't know. I'm totally yeah. making that up. <laughs> well, if you have to join our Zoom rooms and see how that works out, because yeah. it is fun. I highly recommend it. It is. It's really fun. It is. It's fun. And it's, weird, but it's fun. It's like, it's what's always it's fun. fun, but it's fun. <laughs> and Zoom has been something we're at 10 o'clock. So we have to stop. But Zoom has been something so interesting because people like with the backgrounds, like I love wherever Chris is. He's got Jose working on the same part of the ocean every single day from the storm they had the night before. Like, <laughs> you know, and like, and Elise Leibowitz from Three Chicks That Click, she's like got awesome backgrounds because of all her travel and she's a photographer. So like, I like to sit there and go, oh, where are you today? I'm yes. still in this room with the dog and the picture of me and my sister when we were little and, you know. Is that what that is? I always thought that was yeah. your those was your daughters. I no, they're silhouettes of me and my Aww. sister when we were little. Did you get yeah. those done at Disney World? No, no. Somebody I remember actually <laughs> sitting for those silhouettes. Um, we were it was we lived in a house in New Hampshire in Hudson, and somebody came to the house, and I remember sitting there for those silhouettes. Huh. My <laughs> parents loved them. I don't, they just obviously decided to have them done, and I don't know you know, where or why that came from. But we need yeah, to get so somebody yeah. in the chamber who does silhouettes. All right. Long lost <laughs> Call, silhouettes. Right. Calling all silhouette artists. Yes. Please reach out to director at emac.org. Yes. Um, actually, and one more thing I wanted to add about PPP, and then we really do have to end because we shouldn't go late. We started on time. Um, but uh, the PPP, Tom Arnone um, has mentioned that, and Amanda Stone have mentioned that businesses have the opportunity to use purchase orders and purchase in like the bulk orders that the county puts together. So if someone's in need of something, please reach out to me and I can put you in touch with the right person to be able to take advantage of that using, you know, using the county POs. Um, so I just thought right. I would add that added little piece. And uh, Eric, thank you. Kendra, thank you. Yeah. Thank and, you for having me. Well, anytime, anytime. And so we will see you guys Tuesday night in our Zoom rooms. Um, on Wednesday the 27th, Kendra will talk more. I will shut up. No, I'm supposed to ask her questions, so maybe not. <laughs> more Zoom. And um, I've told, I've become a Zoomer. You know, the boomers, we're now Zoomers. Oh, nice. Right? That's great. <laughs> I have to make myself laugh or I'll go nuts. Um, and our next podcast guest, I believe, is Jane Tresnan, one of our new board members who has CubeSmart in Red Bank. Um, and a few other CubeSmarts around the country, I believe, definitely in the state. Um, and she's awesome. So I look forward to speaking with her. And that the date of that one is, notice I don't have it right in front of me, um, June 5th. So cool. Sorry, how much did you guys see when I put myself really close to the camera? Oops. <laughs> all right, still a PG with, show. It's all right. Well, with that, we will say thank you all for joining us. Happy Memorial Day. Thanks, you too. Bye. Oh, wait, I was going to say, look, I even have my flag here. Oh, yeah, wave your flag. Yay. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Bye.